Our scripture passage today is Psalm 51, verses 1 through 17. And I will read aloud our passage today from that 51st Psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The first home that I owned was a little fixer-upper. I really loved that home for a lot of reasons and and invested a significant amount of time and money in fixing it up. And some of those renovations delivered a lot of bang for a little buck, like repainting my kitchen cabinets. Some sanding, some paint, some new hardware, and the free labor of my devoted parents, and I had an almost brand new kitchen. But some renovations were a lot of buck for very little bang, or at least very little visible bang, like renovating the electrical system from a fuse box to a circuit breaker. Now, I had never worked with fuses prior to this house, so it was quite frustrating and a learning curve to deal with them and to replace them. Now, for all you young'uns listening, back in the days before circuit breakers, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, A house's electrical system was regulated by a fuse box. Today, fuse types are rarely used in homes. You can sometimes find them still in older homes. And the main difference between the two systems is that a circuit breaker can be reset and used over and over again, while a fuse is a one-shot deal that has to be replaced. And a fuse is simply a small glass container with a piece of wire that is calibrated to allow only a certain level of electrical current to pass through it. And once a fuse experiences current beyond its threshold, beyond its capacity, it will break or blow, which prevents damage to the system. And it's where we get the expression, blow a fuse. 
Someone who becomes very angry and has an outburst is often said to have blown a fuse, which actually really doesn't make sense because a fuse was meant to defuse the situation and to prevent damage, which is often not the case when someone blows a fuse in anger. But no one said ever that idioms had to be rational. Well, after several blown fuses in my house and even some scary moments of smoke in the basement, there came a time where I had to choose. Do I keep blowing fuses or do I invest in the costly work of renovation that will forever change the system that powers my home and keeps it safe from a literal meltdown? Well, at times we've all felt a bit like our lives consist of a bunch of fuses. And when we encounter an experience or an emotion or feeling beyond our threshold, it can break or blow a fuse. And while we sometimes feel better in the moment of release, the outburst, the destruction, the damage that's left behind can often be very painful and damaging, not just to us, but to others in the wake of the blast. Feelings are a powerful thing. Feelings and emotions are essential, wonderful, God-created aspects of our lives and our relationships. They enable us to experience our life with all the colors that God intended and to connect with one another. Feelings are also a problem for us. Author Dallas Willard wrote that feelings live on the front row of our lives like unruly children clamoring for attention. When we're talking about feelings, we are talking about a range of things that are felt. Sensations, desires, and emotions. We feel warm or cold or hungry or fearful. We feel dizziness and thirst and weariness. We feel pleasure and we feel pain. We feel anger and jealousy. And we also feel comfort and satisfaction a sense of accomplishment, curiosity, and compassion. We're moved by art and music and moved by the emotions and acts of other people. There's no complete list of human feelings, and it's even difficult to define them. But we are all familiar with the range of feelings that we experience in our day-to-day living, and we are impacted tremendously by our feelings. There are constructive or helpful feelings, and there are destructive or harmful feelings. And while our world might pressure us otherwise, it's really important to state clearly that not all happy feelings are helpful, and not all unhappy feelings are harmful. In 2017 TED Talk, Psychologist Susan David shares how the way that we deal with our emotions shapes everything that matters, our actions, careers, relationships, health, and happiness. In this potentially life-changing talk, she challenges a culture that prizes positivity over emotional truth, and this is what she said. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-happiness. I'm a pretty happy person. But when we push aside normal emotions to embrace false positivity, we lose our capacity to develop skills to deal with the world as it is, not as we wish it to be. I've had hundreds of people tell me what they don't want to feel. 
They say things like, I don't want to try because I don't want to feel disappointed. Or, I just want this feeling to go away. I say to them, you have dead people's goals. Only dead people never get stressed, never get broken hearts, never experience the disappointment that comes with failure. Tough emotions are part of our contract with life. You don't get to have a meaningful career or raise a family or leave the world a better place without stress and discomfort. Discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. The invitation for God to renovate our feelings is not to produce people who are always happy, never sad or upset or stressed. Christ, too, in his humanity experienced the vast range of human feelings, yet Christ was not mastered by those feelings. We, however, often allow ourselves to be mastered by our feelings, to let feelings be the final word for our choices and our actions. Feelings make great servants, but they are horrible masters. Feelings can serve to help us enjoy the gifts from God. They can serve to wake us to issues that we need God to renovate in our lives. They can alert us to trouble ahead if we don't change our course. Feelings can serve us well, but they should never master us. Our psalm today reflects this understanding. Psalm 51 is one of the most well-known penitential psalms, which simply means a psalm or a prayer confessing sin and petitioning or pleading for God's grace and mercy toward the sinner. Now, Psalm 51 is not about one particular sin. Even where just the word sin is used, it seems likely that this is meant as a broad term for all sinfulness in the life. And in verse 3, the psalmist declares, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. The psalmist is talking about a continual tendency to do things wrong, to turn away from what we know is God's will for our lives and for this world, and to choose to do what we want, what we feel. The psalmist is seeking and pleading to be renovated, And that is the beginning of restoration. Not just the ask for forgiveness of sin, but the plea for restoration, for renewal, for renovation. You see, this is not a prayer of change my situation. That is the problem. It's a prayer of change me. I am the problem. In verse 10, the psalmist pleads, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right steadfast spirit within me. Now the Hebrew word for create is bara, a verb of which God alone is the subject in the language of the Old Testament, meaning that only God creates, that only God can create a clean heart in us, which is a mind and a will that's open to God, oriented, facing God. And only God can create a steadfast spirit in us, which is a mind and a will that's fixed and steady toward God, trusting God despite our feelings. And the ritual verbs that are used in this psalm, like wash and cleanse and purge, speak to God's direct action in the creating and the renewal of the individual. Or in keeping with our renovation series, 
God demolishes, sands, builds, reframes our lives. But only if we join in the plea of the psalmist and with a broken and repentant heart plead to God, I am yours, not my own. My will, my mind, my feelings are yours. So create in me a new heart, O God, as only you can do. It is not our will, but rather our surrender in which renovation occurs. If our lives are powered by feelings, we're gonna blow some fuses and cause damage to ourselves and to others. In the past year, we've seen countless examples of feelings leading to actions and words that hurt others. And some days, it just seems like our Facebook feed is one blown fuse after another. Many of us have suffered sleepless nights and racing hearts and a blanket of anxiety that suffocates for countless reasons. COVID, politics, broken relationships, church transitions, financial strains, health, just life. Fear seems to have the steering wheel and we are white knuckling the dashboard, feeling unable to do anything about it, feeling like we're out of control, when in reality, control was never really ours to have. What we truly yearn for and ache for, what we need is a change of self, not necessarily a change of situation. Friends, there will always be brokenness in you and in me and in our world. We will feel tough emotions. It is the price of admission to a meaningful life. What matters is not if we have feelings. What matters is what authority we give feelings in our lives. When feelings lead us, brokenness in ourselves and others feels threatening and we react as threatened people. When God leads us, brokenness opens the door to God, and we react as beloved people who are secure in Christ, even in brokenness. As the psalmist declares in verse 17, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So how do we renovate our feelings? Let's start by talking about what doesn't work with destructive feelings in our lives, harmful feelings, and that's denying or repressing them. We all have destructive feelings at times, feelings like arrogance and anger, lust, greed, envy, jealousy, hatred, pride. And the answer is not to deny these or repress them, because trying to do so is just another form of being mastered by them. It takes all of our energy and focus to even attempt to control them, and that focus is meant to be on God, not our feelings. Instead, we begin a process of replacing destructive feelings with others that are good. We don't try to first root out the destructive feelings, but rather, as we learn to trust God and have hope in him, in the process of spiritual formation and his grace, we experience feelings and moods associated with confidence, being accepted, belonging, purpose, love, 
hope, and peace. And more than anything, believing and living as the beloved of God is the most important foundation for the renovation of our will, our thoughts, our feelings, our heart. A dad told the story about one of those evenings when everything goes wrong. You know these evenings. The kids were cranky while he was making dinner, so he gave them some hot chocolate to tide them over. And Timothy, who was five, decided to throw his marshmallows at his little sister, which knocked over her hot chocolate. As she began screaming, the phone rang, and the dad foolishly answered it. And then the doorbell rang, and he also foolishly answered that with the phone to his ear and kids screaming in the background. He then returned to the kitchen, and he yelled at Timothy. And he promptly then had two crying kids in the kitchen. And as dinner began to burn and he deposited his daughter in the bath, he loudly announced that he was so angry he might do anything. So he declared he was putting himself in timeout. He closed the door, none too gently, and tried to calm down before any more fuses were blown. Everything changed about 10 minutes later when he caught sight of a yellow piece of construction paper sliding under the door. And in the unsteady hand of a kindergartner was scrawled a message of grace that pierced his heart and turned him around. It said, from Timothy to dad, I still love you even when you're angry. God sees when we're angry and when we're afraid. God sees when we're anxious and when we lash out. And God, who is abundant in mercy and steadfast in love, slips a note to us to say, I still love you. Even when your feelings master you, I love you. Even when you blow a fuse, I love you. And because I love you, I won't leave you as you are. Together, we can rewire your life for love and joy and peace. This is the message of grace that can pierce the hardest of hearts and turn us around. I want to leave you today with three next steps that you might take if you're ready to begin partnering with God to renovate your feelings. Number one, receive love, joy, and peace from God and other Christ followers. Receiving these gifts will empower you to extend them to yourself and to others. We don't try and root out those destructive feelings, but rather they are crowded out and slowly eliminated as we move toward and focus on God's love, joy, and peace based on faith and hope in God. The second one is to identify the underlying conditions or causes, not just the destructive feeling or effect. So begin to consider the why behind your destructive feeling. Often anger is the result of an underlying condition of fear or loss or control or anxiety or shame. And we can either keep blowing fuses, harming ourselves and others with words and actions, or we can invest in the hard work of identifying and repairing and renovating the conditions of our heart that cause us to blow fuses.
And the third and final one is to renovate in community. Talk about these destructive feelings that you experience with a wise Christian friend, a counselor, or a pastor. Ask for prayer and guidance from God and others. Invite and receive loving correction from those that you trust and from those you know love you, including God. More than anything, remember that God loves you even when your feelings get the best of you. It is that extravagant love, that deep sense of belonging where we feel loved and safe no matter what, that forms the essential foundation for the renovation of our feelings and our lives. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the feelings that allow us to experience the beauty of this life that you've created and the richness of the relationships that you've gifted us with. Feelings are indeed gifts from you. But like many gifts, they can become harmful when we use them outside of your leadership and outside of your ways. We long, we ache God to bring the harmful ones to you so that you might replace them with love and joy and peace. And we thank you that you offer the means to transform our feelings and to help us to trust you and to join you in the renovation of those feelings. In your name we pray, amen.